Yo, yo, another week, another fight podcast. As always, it's your boy, Mayron. I'm here with Dave. How you feeling? I'm good, man. It's been a little minute. Got a it lot to cover. Been. It has been a minute, and we have been not active because life has been life, but there's a lot to cover. Sheesh. So, where do you want to start? Why do we even want to start with the fights? I feel like the news is better. Which Which piece of news has been, like, that you had, have you wanted to talk about the most? I think the biggest thing is the one the news from today. Uh, Mike Chandler coming to the UFC. Yeah, it's crazy, right? And then he's going to be the backup for the Gaethje Khabib fight out the bat, right? Yeah, which kind of makes sense. Kind of. Um, I mean, does it? I think Dustin is probably the only logical answer. But Hooker they won't give Dustin still, anything. Hooker is probably still recovering. Tony is still recovering. So yeah, and they won't. And right now they're in their own weird thing with Dustin, right? Where Dana's being an asshole to him um, because he's demanding his worth, and even other fighters are demanding that you pay Dustin more. And Dana's like, "Well, you know, he doesn't really want the fight," which is ridiculous, a ridiculous statement from a man that's supposed to be promoting you. So yeah, it makes sense for Dustin Poirier to be the backup. Instead, you have a new signee and the former Bellator champ. In Mike Chandler. Now it'd be so crazy if he actually got a chance to fight for the belt. Talk about a title unification, right? <laughs> like <laughs> you would be able to say for sure who the best 155er in the world is. Um, I mean, it's kind of wild, right? So Mike Chandler trains out of Sanford mm-hmm. as well, and you know trains under Henry Hooft, and so he has like he's obviously coached by someone that has been preparing people for you know lightweight titles as well um do you think this could like i know we're supposed to talk about the news let's talk about the news first yeah all right let's talk about the news first so what does it mean that this ufc or this bellator lightweight chant is coming to the ufc i mean you know it's always hit or miss it seems like with Bellator champs coming to the UFC, you know, Eddie Alvarez did really well, obviously. But then you also have guys like Will Brooks, who did not do well at all. Didn't do as well, yeah. Uh, Hector Lombard um, is up and down. Uh, Hector ben Lombard, Ashford, who is a killer, but by the time he came, wasn't the killer that he mm-hmm. was. Yeah. Ben Ashburn, of course, which probably falls into the same lines as like Hector Lombard. Yeah, um, and Askren came from one after his Bellator. Like he yeah, exactly mm-hmm. again was a killer, no longer a killer. Yeah, and I, I kind of yeah. I view Chandler as sort of kind of being in a little bit of a similar position. He's like 35, 34, 35. I would say he's at the end of his prime, though, right, and not definitively past it, which is I think the difference here. Right. Right. He's 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 in the last couple of years of his prime. He still has time to make a run quote unquote especially if he's being put in the position to fight ranked guys early he doesn't have to like earn his name mm-hmm. i think if he does get st- he steps into this fight though against gaethje or khabib he gets killed i think it'll be fun to see him against gaethje i think khabib is also i think they're both interesting matchups especially the Khabib one, even though I think Khabib would win pretty easily, is still interesting because of the wrestling pedigree he has. Mm-hmm. Uh, the Gaethje one would just be fun to watch, I think. 
it'd be two dudes just slinging it. <laughs> right. And it would be, it would be wild. I think like, um, one of the coolest things about Mike Chandler coming over is this, there is a, there is a sort of legitimacy to it, right? Like if, if he does fight for it, cause there is, he was the Bellator lightweight champ, right? And yeah, undis- undisputedly so. Yeah. There, there is a way to at least mark how good are you. Mm-hmm. There, there's a definitive marker there, right? How, if the Bellator champ comes in and whoops the UFC champ, that means something. And I suppose it means something if the UFC champ whoops the Bellator champ as well. Maybe not as much, though. Yeah. I also, so do you think that he's going to get a fight on that card? Um, if he's volunteering to be the backup, I don't think he'll get a fight on the card, if that makes sense. Because they're not going to promise that he can fight someone just in case he has to step in for the title fight, you know? Right. But I do think he gets a fight on the next card after it. Hmm. Um, and they're not going to give him a fight before either because, again, you don't want to risk your backup getting injured, right? The whole point of a backup right. is just to have somebody. This is pretty, pretty, pretty major news. Um, in other major, well, not maybe not as major, Israel Adesanya signed to Puma. Mm-hmm. And I, I thought this was interesting because, as you know, the Reebok contract is ending with the UFC. Right. And so now UFC fighters are finally going to be able to delve into back into the olden days where they had their own merch. And I wonder if they're going to be able to, like, come in with, like, different kinds of shorts. And, like, they used to have ads on all their shorts, which was hilarious to me. Yeah, Connor Depot. <laughs> Yeah, to this day, funniest thing ever. But I think Izzy and Puma makes a lot of sense. International brand, international man. Like, there's there's a lot of potential there to get a lot of good merch and to sort of change the financial futures of UFC fighters, right? So do they know? I know Venom is the new sponsor. Yeah, do they I don't know, know if it's going to be like exclusive? Venom shorts or is it going to be like the old days where it's like they can actually have sponsors on the shorts? See, I haven't seen anything that says either way, right, what's happening. I do know, like, literally, like, I'm watching it right now. This Puma commercial with Izzy is super cold. And I can't imagine that if it was, like, the Reebok deal, I don't think he'd be able to, be able to do the commercial, right? Mm-hmm. So I think that leans towards the idea of them being able to, like, do stuff other than Venom. Yeah, it's been a... It's been a while since a UFC athlete has had, like, a... I mean, aside from, like... The Reebok thing, like yeah, the last UFC athlete I can remember that had like a really big like brand partnership was probably John Jones when he was with Nike. I think so, yeah, and that's I mean mainly due to his brothers, right? Right, but even then, yeah. like you know the the Reebok deal didn't happen until like 2014, 2015. and so even then, like Connor didn't have like a he didn't a big known brand deal to my knowledge. Instead, he made his own proper yeah. 12 whiskey brand, right? That's the only thing that we've seen out of like a branding deal. And I think this is this introduces something new to the sport and introduces a new level of like legitimacy to the sport as well. If you can actually start taking UFC fighters and using them and branding them and giving them life, like Jorge Masvidal stands out to me, right? Like the idea of him getting on like a brand sounds like instant cash, you know? You can yeah. just market him so many ways. Yeah, Connors who. Um, yeah, that's a lot of guys out there. I I hope that that's a thing because that's kind of what like what you're saying is it legitimizes the sport in a different way. Every other sport, major sport out there, you know, guys have signature deals. Even like with boxing, Andre Ward had yeah. Jordan, uh, exactly. Triple G had Jordan. Um, 
ton of guys, Jamel Herring, and a few other guys have Adidas. So, you know. I'm about to say, yeah, but say there's a, I know there's Adidas boxing, and, like, even in jiu-jitsu, or, or judo, rather, mostly. But jiu-jitsu as well, they have deals with brands if you're, if you're famous, right? Mm-hmm. Keenan has a pretty high-profile deal with Hyperfly. They've been together a long time. That's a jiu-jitsu brand that I really like, um, actually. People at my gym, a lot of them are sponsored by, sponsored by Very Hard to Submit and Moya. Um, shout out to Tim Sprays and Vanessa Griffin. It's kind of like, it's weird that the UFC didn't have this. So I think that was pretty major news and is going to shift the sport a little bit. Mm-hmm. But yeah, th- I think those were the two major pieces of news today, unless you want to talk about Justin Bieber. No, absolutely not. Not Justin Bieber. Sorry, Logan Paul. Same difference. Yeah. <laughs> I know. I, I, know yeah. uh, I mean, I guess... We have to talk about that briefly. Um, I, I don't. I don't want to talk about Logan Paul per se, but I do want to talk about Floyd. Yeah. Right. Yeah. So is that official? I haven't seen anything. I've on only Floyd's seen end. rumors, and I haven't seen anything on Floyd's end. But I wanted to to ask you this: Floyd is such an interesting character because he's the best boxer of all time, right? Skill wise, I don't. Uh, yeah. Whatever. What's there are arguments against him, sure. Like there, there are other boxers you could put in the conversation, but to say that he isn't in that conversation would be ludicrous. Oh no, right? he's in the conversation, and he's probably the most legitimate undefeated fighter ever. Like there's others un- who are undefeated but don't have quite the accolades that he has. He's definitely, if I had to do an unbiased top five, he's in the top five somewhere. I don't know where, but. I'm talking about purely from a skills perspective. What he did skill-wise, mm-hmm. I've don't never seen any other boxer even come close to, right? For that sustained period of time, it's crazy. The reason I bring this up is because while this is true, Floyd has absolutely no, like, as, as much of a student of the game he is, as, as intelligent of a fighter he is, he does not care about the so-called purity of the sport that a lot of other people care about, right? Mm-hmm. He, he has no... He is like that's why he went to fight a kickboxer in Japan who is like three way classes below him and beat him up for fun, right? It's 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 not a knock on him. It's just like how he approaches things. He looks I at it as a business deal. I don't necessarily mind that too much. I don't mind it either. I would rather not see him fight for real anymore, just because I don't really care for it personally as like a fan. But you know, if he wants to do exhibitions, like people are going to tune in, and people want to pay for it, so. I don't mind him doing that. I am just personally really tired of the whole like YouTube YouTubers, TikTokers, whatever it's they are. Like, it's just such a spectacle. And it's just like, I think where the disrespect of the sport comes is like when you have like the last one where his brother fought another guy. I don't know his name. But like on the card, there were legitimate three, boxers. Yeah. There were three world title fights on that card. And they were the main event. And it's like, yo, what the fuck is this? Like, Well, it brings us into another topic, which we're going to get to in a second. But before I let you go, the reason I brought the whole Floyd side up is I'm like, does it give the YouTubers and TikTokers legitimacy if we see Floyd in the ring with him, right? Did you think that gives them some legitimacy to non-fight fans especially? No. Does it, like, not to us, right? Because we know Floyd will do anything for a check. But I wonder if the public perception of, like, this YouTube boxing is going to go up if, if a boxer such as Floyd, of all people, decides to do this. That was the only, like, maybe question like, I have. It. Maybe it's, like, younger people. But I think even, like, older casual people 
would understand what y'all know is. what's up yeah yeah y'all know what's like, up i think it's interesting because this is like he's actually bigger than him which doesn't matter it doesn't matter at all but like it's just yeah, I'm about to say, it'll be interesting so to what? see the spectacle <laughs> of him it'll be interesting to see it's gonna be hilarious that dude's gonna be swinging and floyd's just gonna not be there you know like yeah. dude might knock himself out um so the the other topic that you were bringing us to in terms of the spectacle and how that card had through the people is like, this is all by DAZN's doing, right? I, if it's Floyd involved, I highly doubt it's going to be DAZN. No, no, I'm saying, but this this starts oh, yeah. with DAZN, right? This yeah. spectacle, this, this bullshit-ass matches. Like, these things start with DAZN. And they're kind and, of reaping what they sow. And yes, exactly, because we were talking about news. DAZN is in a really bad place right now, right? Right, so... You know, Canelo. Canelo is suing Golden Boy. I don't think he's suing the zone. So he's suing Oscar De La Hoya. Yeah. And for like a breach of contract and like not being able to get in fights. And I think the zone might be a part of that too. But basically, it's like the zone has stipulations in their contract for what they consider a premium opponent for Canelo. He's supposed to fight one premium opponent a, uh, a year. He gets two fights a year, basically, in his deal. One of them has to be against a premium opponent. And where, like, the controversy comes in is that he fought Danny Jacobs and he fought Sergey Kovalev. And DAZN did not consider them premium opponents, even though they are Sergey Kovalev's a little bit past his prime, but like Danny Brown is not Danny Brown. Danny Jacobs. Shouts to Danny, Danny, Danny Brown. Shouts to Detroit. Shouts um, <laughs> to Royce the Five Nine. And he's continuing. Wrong, wrong podcast. <laughs> yeah. Um, Daniel Jacobs is an I wouldn't say an elite boxer, but he's definitely like he's pretty damn good. He's top five in either division yeah. he's in. And he's junior, pretty damn uh, good. Middleweight or super middleweight. So mm-hmm. the fact that they didn't consider him a premium opponent, but they're considering Oscar De La Hoya, a premium opponent who hasn't fought in like 15 years, whatever, or like Jorge Masvidal or Khabib, and like all three of them would legitimately die against Canelo. The Khabib thing is hilarious because it really shows <laughs> that that one really shows you where the zone's head is at because yeah. Jorge Masvidal, okay, he's had a box, he's, uh, he's a boxer, yeah. He's a kickboxer, but he boxes. He boxes. But like Khabib is not Khabib is a mixed martial artist, like to the core. Like he's not he's not boxing anybody. Khabib is a a sambo guy. Like, you know, like what is like why like who would even if you even have any semblance of what Khabib Namagamadoff is, you'd be like, why the fuck would anyone ever want to watch him fight Canelo in a boxing match? Nobody would, yeah. Because it's like, he's going to throw one punch and Canelo's going to counter it. It might knock him silly. Yeah, Khabib might, yeah, Khabib legitimately might get KO'd in the first round. It's not like he has a lot of hand speed. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. Footwork is going to be terrible. It's just like, it's going to be it's wrestling like, footwork. The dude's going to, like, have his head forward. And yeah, Canelo's like, on paper, people are going to be like, oh, Canelo's fighting Khabib. But in reality, if you really understand what's going on, you're going to be like, what the fuck am I watching? I don't even think MMA fans would tune into that. Yeah. I think, like, I'm not going to lie. I would be, like, fake interested in the Masvidal one. Just real, really fake, really fake. But, like, it would get my attention enough for me to, like, watch it. 
it would actually be like a fight ish. Yeah, I think my. I mean, it would be. It would be. It would be. Can, it would be Canelo beating up Masvidal, but there would be a fight if that makes sense. Yeah, With it Khabib, be, it's not even a fight. It's just Canelo punching him. It would be the same outcome if Canelo fought any like non top five boxer. Boxer, yeah. Class, which is like, all right, whatever. Okay, cool. But like, Jorge Mas, like it's just like it's mind blowing how out of touch the zone really. Do you think DAZN makes it past 2020 as an organization? They're losing a lot of money. They're not being able to put on shows. They're like, they have this whole lawsuit thing. Like, does DAZN make it out of 2020? I think they do. But 2021 is really bleak to me because it's like, one, they cut every Golden Boy card that's been taken off except for um, Jaime Munguia has a card that they're keeping. And then um, Ryan Garcia is fighting Luke Campbell, and they're keeping that card. Every other every other Golden Boy cards are cut. Um, Bellator just signed with CBS, so I think that's a huge. I mean, I, I don't know if they're going to broadcast simultaneously on the zone or not, but that's a big blow if they're this not. It's a big blow, yeah, because like um, they, 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 people aren't watching on Paramount Network, but they'll watch on CBS because it's just right. on TV. And then um, they have. Matchroom, which is the UK boxing, but no one get, no one here gives a fuck about that. Yeah, I don't know. Unless Anthony Joshua, unless Anthony Joshua is fighting. Like, is that what Anthony Joshua fights on? Like, yeah, he fights on the zone. Okay, yeah. Matchroom, but like, that's the only UK boxing I think that anybody gives a fuck about. And then they have the World Boxing Super Series, which I don't even think is going to be a thing after this year. Anyway. Not so, yet. You know, they're in a really bad place because it wasn't like the boxing that they were putting on was like outstanding in the first place but there were some good fights there were good fights on there for sure but it, it was, was very like, accessible i'll put it that way the model yeah. they had the right idea but it wasn't they just weren't coming through with the fights yeah and you know i think that has to do with the fact that they're just out of touch with what like boxing fans are already a limited asset in of itself like very small slice of the population right and you know in theory, if you were putting on good quality fights, I think boxing fans would subscribe to it, but it's just like the fights aren't good all the time. Their commentary team is terrible. Like, absolutely god-awful. And it's just like, you know, I most people don't care about casual golden boy cards or your typical UK boxing card that doesn't involve Anthony Joshua or their small stable of American fighters. Fighters, yeah. If it's not there, no one's watching that shit. So it's like, and then Bellator, Bellator has really good production, really good announcement, really good content overall, but if they're leaving the CBS Sportsnet, then also Bellator also did this really smart thing. And if, by the way, everyone who's listening, if we sound distracted, Miami and Boston are, are playing, and they're in the third quarter right now, and it's 79-76, and David's a huge Miami fan, and he told me that Miami's going to win the championship this year, and I didn't believe him, but they might because they're doing really well. Um, but anyways, Bellator did this really smart thing. Bellator put all their prelims on YouTube live. Like, when I want to watch Bellator – it is so easy to watch Bellator right now in terms of the prelims because YouTube live is the way to go. If you're like looking, if you're a small organization looking to like get people interested in your stuff, give it away for free, make it easy to watch. 
And then that Paramount network, apparently I have it like through like files. So sometimes I'll just turn it on because it's on TV. It's on cable television. And now it's going to be on network television. So no one's ever going to use DAZN, the app, to watch Bellator again, even if they still are on there. It's too accessible other ways, other better ways. So I don't think DAZN has an exclusive deal with them. I'll just put it that way. Right. So, you know, they're running out of options. You know, they didn't have... I feel like their mistake was sort of not becoming like their own boxing network. It's like, for example, Premier Boxing Champions is not a promotional company. It is a network. It is a TV show. You know, so they have the ability to like have fighters fight on their television show, but like the zone doesn't actually handle much of their promotion. Like not promotion, production. Like they have their own announcement team and things like that. But like that is a golden boy show that they're announcing. They're just they are announcing a matchroom broadcast yeah. for US audiences. So they're pretty much just broadcasting the match and everything else is handled by Yeah. Other the only fighter they actually signed to like an exclusive deal. It was Canelo. G. Oh, Canelo's deal is like him and it's like the zone and Golden, Golden Boy. Boy. But Triple gotcha. G is exclusively the zone. Well, it's a bit late for him. Yeah. Yeah. Who knows? I don't even know if he's gonna fight again. To be honest, I I thought he was retired. Like, no, he had a he was supposed to have a fight in June, but COVID. Mm-hmm. And you know, I don't know. It's you're just, not a Triple G fan, though, right? You're not a you're, you don't like that guy. It's not him. It has nothing to do with him. Nothing to him think, personally. Yeah. I think that when it comes to personally. what people, people are nitpicky when it comes to like fighters and like why they like certain fighters. Like a lot of people are very, you know, critical of like Terrence Crawford and Deontay Wilder for their resumes not being like the greatest. But like Triple G's resume is terrible too, to be completely honest. Like until he fought, this fight is a loss to Canelo. Yeah, like until like I would give him Danny Jacobs. Like the everything after Danny Jacobs is pretty credible to me. He had Danny Jacobs, Canelo twice, and then um, Lions Monterosian. But who cares about that? And then um, he had uh, uh, Sergey Devachenko. Those are all quality fights. Fine, but before that, he fought Kel Brook, who moved up two weight classes, and then it's like who. David Lemieux, Martin Murray, like these aren't these no, aren't elite no. guys. Yeah. But he's supposed to be this killer, which he is a killer. But it's like he never moved up in weight. Like that's one thing you, you can't hold against Terrence Crawford. He's moved up three weight divisions. He's been dominant in all three of them. He's never moved up in weight. And he hasn't really fought that many top level guys. So that's my critique about Triple G. That has nothing to do with anything we're talking about. But no, it, yeah. it doesn't, but it, it's, it's an interesting thing to think about right now. Yeah, but the, my point was the media is like, oh, my God, Triple G is the best middleweight of all time. He's a shoe-in, first ballot boxing Hall of Famer. There hasn't been anybody that dominant in the middleweight division, which is true technically, but when you actually look at it, it's not that great. But that's neither here nor there. So this weekend is my most – personally my most anticipated boxing card of the year just because a lot comes out of it and it's also a lot of good 
fighters that I like on there. So this is the Erickson Lubin uh, Tarot Gaucher card. Lubin, Lubin card, yeah. Yeah, so that card is big. We now know that it's for the WBC Silver Welterweight, uh, Super Welterweight title, which basically means it's a title eliminator for Jamel, Jamal Charlo's belt, which he'll be fighting for next week, which we'll talk about in a little bit. But So basically the winner of that fight fights um, the winner of Jamal Charlo and Jason Rosario. Um, but also, my guy, um, shit, good God, Boots, um, finally has an opponent. He is fighting Juan Carlos Abreu, who is a, I don't want to call him a gatekeeper per se, but he's a very tough, tough fighter. He's never been knocked out, and he gives guys hell. Like he's lost five. He has five losses, but his five losses are to guys who have either fought for world titles or are like top level competitors. So you got um, Kavalaskis, Mean Machine, who just fought Bud um, last this around this time last year. Um, he lost to Alexander Besputin, who was a welterweight contender. Um, he lost a split decision to um, he lost a unanimous decision to Jamal James, who we talked about here a lot, and he knocked down Jamal James. They traded knockdowns in that fight too, so you know he can hit. And I think this is going to be a really big test for Boots because I think if he can one, if he blows this guy away, he's definitely like top prospect. Yeah, I'm about to say then that makes that's a pretty big deal, right? Yeah, and then like even if he wins, you know that's a really good test for him. And I'm just excited to see him fight. It's been a while since he's been on a card. Um, but, like, the Erickson lubin Gachet fight is really good. It's, it's pretty much a 50-50 fight to me. And Lubin hasn't fought since 2019, right? Yeah. Like, it's but been you know, a while. I, COVID, I think that COVID has yeah, affected I mean, that a lot. It's, but, it's, not, it's not on Lubin. I'm just saying, like, it's just, yeah, he hasn't been in the ring in a while. Yeah. Um, I mean, he does. I think, yeah, Gaucher has been fought since. A lot of guys have been fought since 2019. 19, yeah, that's honest. true. Yeah, so. So, uh, Gaucher fought last May 25th, 2019. Yeah, which is okay, more so than a year. Even more than, yeah, more, more than that. Because he beat, uh, Lubin beat Nathaniel, uh, what is it, Gallimore in yeah. October of last yeah. year. So. Fun fact for people who don't know, the current unified champion uh, at 154, uh, Jason Rosario, actually got knocked out by Nathaniel Gallimore. Oh, interesting. Yeah. I did not know that. Yeah. Um, so, you know, it's a really, I think that's a really, really good fight. Um, Terrell Gachet, to me, is extremely underrated. Um, he doesn't get a lot of credit but he for being a good boxer, but, you know, he's a 2012 U.S. Olympian, amateur national champion. Like, he's very, very talented. And Lubin was the number one prospect coming out of his class to he, he turned pro instead of going to the Olympics. Why did we talk about Lubin recently? Did he train an MMA fighter? Yeah. Oh, uh, so it was a while ago. So I was watching Mike Perry fight. Perry. Yes. Uh, we were watching that together. Yeah. Yeah. I watched Mike Perry fight Geoff Neal. And he, they had said on the broadcast that he had been training with in, a boxer a in Texas. Texas. Southpaw. Yeah. Um, even though Lubin's from Florida, he did train in Texas for a little bit too. But I was like, I was trying to figure out who it was. So I was like, it's not the Charlos because they're not Southpaws. I couldn't think of it. And then like one day, it literally, I was literally like looking up something and I was like, Erickson Lubin. 
Yeah. And he goes, no, because he tweeted it. He tweeted it. Yeah, they tweeted each other about it. It was interesting. Yeah. yeah so, so that was that was actually a very interesting uh, yeah. cross connection. It's not the only cross connection you've discovered recently. Oh yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, so I was watching an old Terrence Crawford fight when he fought Derry John at um, 140 in 2015, and um, Anthony Smith was in the background. I think he was actually <laughs> doing security. <laughs> Was that what he was doing? He was security? Yeah, so I noticed a whole bunch of other guys wearing this. He was wearing this po- red polo tuck. Yeah. Like slacks and everything. And there was a whole bunch of them sitting in a row. And I think he was doing security. Some pretty good security. I wouldn't yeah, want to go. Yeah, I wouldn't want to run into him. I know he trains, in, he trains in Omaha. That makes sense. Yeah, he does train in Omaha. But, like, yeah, that, that, that was, like, my I'm not trying to fight Anthony Smith. Especially, like, could you imagine some drunk dude like just being like rowdy at a boxing fight and be like, "Oh, you're secure. You can't take me." Next thing you know, you end up in a Kimura. <laughs> That's just, that would suck. Yeah, yeah, you know, the combat sports world is much smaller than people think. I know, like, people want to have like this big divide between mixed martial arts and boxing, but there's really so many there crossovers. Can't, there can't be right, and like the other thing is like even between boxing and wrestling, be, given that they're both Olympic sports, there's a lot of crossover there too, mm-hmm. right? Yo Romero's brother was a Olympic level boxer. Yeah, um, and you know, Kamaru Usman has talked about his like time at the Olympic Training Center in Colorado, how he would train with Errol Spence. Yeah. Yeah. You know, it's, so it's, it's really, it's not that much separating the two. Sports. There's only so many people that want to get hit in the head, mm-hmm. right, in the world. And there's only so many people that can, like, actually hit people in the head in a way that matters. You can't separate them that much. Um, but, yeah, can we talk about the Charlo doubleheader yeah, a little bit? Sure. Yeah, Um So there – Next week, there's a PBC on Showtime pay-per-view. It's a doubleheader. I'm not actually quite sure how it's going to work. I know it starts at 7. Um, but there's basically, like, five or six title fights on the card. It's a stacked card. Yeah, like, it's actually a pay-per-view. I, I, think, I usually don't buy a lot of pay-per-views, but I think I might purchase this one it is a stacked card so and you know there's um there's so many all right so obviously we'll start with charlo, Jamel charlo versus sergey i can't pronounce his last name Devinchenko. yes start there so yeah that's a really really good fight um i think that jamal charlo is probably the favorite but i think i also believe that that's kind of a trap fight for him because Devinchenko is extremely good I still stand by, and it's a, this is unbiased. I unbiasedly believe that he beat Triple G when they fought. Um, and you know he has an interesting style matchup for Jamal Charlo. You know he comes forward and he throws incredible combinations while coming forward, and he, he's a very good technical boxer as well as like a brawler. And I think that even though he's a lot shorter than Jamal Charlo. I think that that style might prove to be a little tricky for him to handle, and it's the only style that would actually allow him to be shorter and win. If that makes mm-hmm. sense, that yeah. constant forward. But pressure. he has a lot. He has a lot of physical disadvantage advantage, advantages against Jamal Charlo. Hello. Yeah, I, I think he's given up damn near seven inches in reach. I'm about to say the only way you'd beat Jamal Charlo being that short is to be inside the pocket and come forward with him. Because if you know if Jamal keeps him at range, then it wouldn't make a difference. And do you want to talk about uh, this Rosario fight a little? Yeah, this one was kind of 
hard to gauge. Um, Before you so, get into um, like the X's and O's, it's a WBC, WBA, and IBF 154-pound unification belt. Right. Jamal Charles is the WBC champion who he won that belt against Tony Harrison, who he also lost the belt to. And then Jason Rosario won his two belts by spectacularly knocking out um, Julian Williams, who won the belts from Jared Hurd. Um, so can you make like the argument, whoever wins this fight is probably the best 154 pounder on the planet? Oh, for sure. I, I think Jamel Charlo is the best 154 pounder right now. I, I'm, I find it hard to read Jason Rosario, to be completely honest. Um, there's been a lot of interesting talk about comparisons. People have been comparing him to um, Julius Ndongo, who was the unified 140 champion that Terrence Crawford beat to become undisputed, and how like he kind of came out of nowhere to win two belts, and then you know fought someone that was just way above his level. You know, yeah. um, Jason Rosario has fought a lot more names than like a Julius Ndongo. But it's still like hard to read him, honestly, because it's just like you know. I think this is going to be a competitive fight, though. I don't know. I really don't know because it's like he got knocked out by Nathaniel Gallimore, who's a gatekeeper but a good fighter, and then like he's had like these weird, like he he had a draw against uh, Mark Anthony Hernandez, who fought on the Contender series, the new Contender series. Uh, he ended up beating him the second time around, but like it's still like. You know, he has these up and down sort of... I saw It depends on which Rosario shows up, but, like, the things I've seen out of him... Oh, sorry, go ahead. The things I've seen of him are pretty good, you know? Mm -hmm. Like, I think he could give Charlo some trouble at the very least. Like, this is not a walk in the park for Charlo. Right, but even, like, like, the fight before he fought Julian Williams, he fought Jorge Cota, and he got a split decision against him. But, like, Jamel Charlo used Jorge Cota as a Pushing back, yeah. So it's like it's just really hard to get a read on. I I don't know whether he fights the level of competition because again he beat Julian Williams decisively. He knocked him out in the fifth round. And that's the fight that I was watching actually recently. Yeah. The Julian he did Williams a lot of good fight. things. He's a very he's a very talented counter counterpuncher. He's also extremely powerful with both hands. I was gonna so say he know, has a lot of power, right? Like that's what I was noticing. Like yeah. when he hits, he hits hard. Yeah, and then you know the thing with Jamel Charlo is that he changed his style around. And, you know, he gets hit a lot more than he used to. That's what we were talking about, right, is that he changed his style around arguably to his disadvantage. Yeah, and, you know, he has a chin. He has a, he has a really, really good chin. And, you know, but, you know, Jason Rosario is a very powerful boxer. And, you know, he's just not a guy you want to really be, like, taking a lot of punishment from. I also just don't know the mental space the Charlo brothers are in right now how being on the same card is going to affect them again. Like it's, there's a lot going on there and I'm not going to hear to talk about gossip, but I am, I am here to say that like, I think it does make a difference that this card is happening in this way at this time. Right. Mm -hmm. And I think it could affect the, I I think all that, the way they go. Oh no, that's just brothers being brothers, but like being on the same card again, yeah, after, and they like, said after they said they would never do it. Again, do it, too. yeah. That so. that creates a certain amount of pressure, right? It's like Khabib always says, like he always he hates when his brothers fight on the same card, but like he they have they he obviously has to because the UFC is the UFC, mm-hmm. but like he gets more stressed out about them than he does about his fights. 
Right. And, you know, brothers are brothers. They're going to fight or whatever. That's not what I'm talking about. But, like, being on the same card, mm-hmm. that's a lot of pressure. Yeah, for sure. But even, like, on the undercard of that card, you know, you got Daniel Roman versus Juan Carlos Payano, which is a small guy fight. But Daniel Roman was a former unified champion who fought um, – I can't pronounce his name, but his, he goes by MJ. And he was, like, a Uzbekistan Olympian. He was one of those fast track guys. Seven. He had. He had. He might only had six fights when he fought him, but he beat Daniel Roman, who was a unified champion at one twenty two. So they're fighting for a. Um, I believe it's a WBA eliminator. So he's fighting for a chance to get his old belt back. Um, Brandon Figueroa is the WBA re- regular super bantamweight champion. He has a fight on the card. Luis Neri is moving Luis up. Luis Neri, yeah. Form, he's, um, like, he used to be pretty good, right? He is. He's still good, but, you know, he had a, an issue with uh, performance-enhancing drugs. And then he also – he used to just miss weight at 118 all the time. So he's moving up mm-hmm. to fight for the vacant WBC uh, Super Band the Weight title, which was vacated by Ray Vargas, who moved up to one – who moved up to, moved up to featherweight. Um. Then you have John Real Casimero, who is the bantamweight WBO champion. He's fighting Duke Micah, who is a very good Ghanaian boxer. He, he's undefeated. Casimero was supposed to fight Naola Inoue before COVID. Um, so, you know, it's a stack card. It's like five, six, six title fights of some sort. Five title fights and then a title eliminator, you know, so it's stacked. It's stacked for sure. And it's, it's kind of an expensive pay-per-view as a result, but like... Eh. Yeah, 74, yeah. It's not, it's not cheap, I'll put it that way. Like, yeah. It's not as cheap as I thought it would be given COVID times. Yeah. I mean, I don't think any... Dude, this is the first... This has got to be the first boxing pay-per-view. Of the year. Yeah, I'm about to say, well, we haven't had one yet, right? We had a, a Fury Wilder too, but like first box, first, first one since COVID started. I to say that was before COVID. Yeah, but like the UFC never docked their prices. No, but Dana White's a terrible person. Right. Well, yeah. So. <laughs> I mean, not that boxing promoters are angels, but you know, yeah. there's there's levels to terribleness. Um, speaking of the UFC and Dana White, uh, so we have arguably the best fight night card coming up this weekend. Like yeah. the, the most stacked one. In yeah, it's, been, it's been better than some of the pay-per-views, honestly. I think it will be better than some of the pay-per-views coming up, too, to be honest. Um, you know, Tyron Woodley and Colby Cummington fighting in the uh, for the soul of America, some would say. <laughs> um, this is going to be somewhere where I really, really hope Tyron wins and retires. Like, I'm not going to lie, seeing him lose these two fights to... Usman and then uh, Burns was very uh, very tough as a fan, as someone who's been a fan of him for a long time. I've been a fan of his for a long time. He's had his title reign. He's done well. This is his rival, his you know his enemy, whatever. It would be great to see him get the win, do it in like overhand right fashion. Which you know the thing is, Tyron is a better striker than Colby. He is. He is definitely a better striker than Colby. He has more power. He arguably, when he's when he is doing the things that make him Tyron Woodley, when he's backing up in a way that makes sense, he is a better counterpuncher. 
he has more strategy. His wrestling defense is just as good as Colby's wrestling offense. Like on paper, other than the fact that Tyron's old, Tyron can win this fight. What concerns me is Colby Covington has looked really, really good. <laughs> and Tyron Woodley has not. You don't think, think Colby Covington looked really good no, against No, no, I'm saying that I think this is a terrible matchup for Tyron Woodley. It wouldn't be no, a couple years ago. Yeah, but even <laughs> even even then, it's like I feel like Tyron struggles heavily again, like historically throughout his career. He has struggled when he can't set his own pace. And he struggles against guys that are high that come forward and that have high volume and have high cardio. And that everything that you basically described that is what Kobe Covington is. High volume striking, cardio, and comes forward. I think though. I think prime Tyron Woodley, and it could be my stanism here, right? I'm not, I'm not above pointing out that I, I used to be a Tyron Woodley stan. I'm a very realistic stan, so I understand that he's not the same guy. But what I'm saying is, like, his ability to back up and back up in a way and throw strikes and throw counters against the style of someone who continues to come forward could help him out in this case, right? If his right hand is what it used to be, especially if Colby's fighting southpaw. Because we've seen what happens to southpaws when they rush in forward against guys like Tyron Woodley with the right hand like that. Mm-hmm. And so that's, that's where I'm like, I, I have some hope. On the other hand, if Kobe Covington whoops Tyron Woodley's ass, as sad as I will be, he is a very, very strong uh, case to rematch whoever wins the Burns uh, the Burns blah, 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 Usman fight, right? right? And the reason, the, the reason being is because, like, unless they're going to actually give Leon Edwards a shot, which I, they haven't been, um, there's no one else to do it. The way that I would like it to play out, I would want the winner of this fight to fight Leon and then that winner is the next um, challenger. I agree. I think the way I would like to actually for it to play out is Leon just to get next regardless because I think Leon's done enough and has enough of a resume to just fight for the title next, right? I agree. Whoever wins should just fight Leon. I think that's the right thing to do. I don't think that's what the UFC will do. You know? Do you think that Kobe wants the belt? I think so. He fought like he wanted the belt when he fought him. Yeah, like, I, I, I agree. But I, I don't know. I I feel like he. I feel like if they offer him Masvidal, I don't think that he would turn that down for a shot at the belt. I think if he, it was the opportunity, I think he probably would go for. Masvidal. Yeah, he wants some money, right? I think he wants enough money to be able to drop the stupid shtick and retire, and just fight. Yeah, but yeah, I I, I really want Tyron Woodley to win because I just can't stand Colby Covington. We, I, mean, just feel, we, I can't get over the fact that this is a really bad matchup for him. It is. Especially at this this stage of his career. At this stage of his career, I can admit that it is a bad matchup. But I think if we can get one vintage performance out of Tyron Woodley, if it could just be one, this might be it. Yeah, but I I do think... My other thing is, I feel like if he wins, I think he's going to try to make a run at the belt. I hope not, because he he, he will get killed. He will get killed. 
Yeah. <laughs> like, if he wins, it's going to be because he knocked him out with his right hand. And he cannot rely on that right hand against people that will be much more calculated than Colby, right? Mm-hmm. If he wins, it's because Colby is coming forward and he's able to counterpunch him. That's, that's, that's the scenario under which he wins. Is he at uh, – is Tyron at Rufus Sport? Uh, yes, generally speaking. I don't know what he's doing right now during COVID times, but generally okay. he's at Rufus. Okay. And we don't know where Kobe is, right? He's not. I know he's at ATT. I mean, yeah, I don't actually know who the hell he's training with and where he's – he might be at a different ATT location because they have like 15 in Florida or something. Okay. But, yeah, I don't, I don't know. He's definitely not the one that Jorge Masvidal's at. <laughs> Other fighters on this fight that also need to retire, uh, Cowboys fighting fighting Nico Price. I think Cowboys should win this fight, but he will should. he will he win? I don't know. He but should. He is skill wise, he's a different level than Nico. Than Price. Nico Price, and Nico Price is a good fighter. Nico fights out of Sanford as well, um, or did at one point. And you know, Nico's a good fighter, solid striker, but Cowboy is a part of an elite class that should be able to handle him, you know? Yeah, but, you know, he's a little past his prime, I think. I don't know what the point of a cowboy fighting is at this point. I think he just likes fighting. <laughs> yeah, like, they, like he's not making a title run at this point. Yeah. It's literally just because he likes fighting. Which is weird because, you know, he's rich. Like, rich outside of MMA. Like He, he is? He I don't is, know. He is a – like, he grew he's up like, wealthy. Oh, he's like an oil baron or some shit? I don't know. His, 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 like, he has like old old money. Which oh I, man, I it's hope. weird that you become an MMA fighter with old money. I think he's just. I think he like. Have you seen like outside of MMA? He does That's like true. crazy going, shit. I like, think he just likes the, the jet skis. Of it. Yeah, and jumping uh, planes and shit. But yeah, I think. Oh f- uh, yeah, but I think I wouldn't be surprised if Nico Price won the fight. I think that Cowboy should win. I think he's a better fighter than Nico. But, if know. Nico wins, I think Nico finishes Cowboy. Yeah. Right? Nico finishes Cowboy with TKO via strikes in, like, the second round or some crazy, something crazy like that if, if Nico wins. The other fight that we should talk about on this is uh, Hamzat uh. versus Gerald. <laughs> Yo, Hamzat versus Gerald is a wild, like, string of names to say. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, yeah, I can't even count his last. I can't count his last name. <laughs> Yo, Hamza really... versus Gerald Mir Sharet. <laughs> I this fight's interesting to me because I kind of agree with a lot of people. I feel like it's a little disrespectful of. Oh, it's cocky as shit. <laughs> like, it's not his fault. It's not, not his fault at all. <laughs> I agree. Yeah, I would do the same thing in his situation. Of course, I'm going to take the two fights. Yeah, but it's just like, you know, uh, I think, so I think, you know, that might be a little extra motivation for Gerald to pull out the victory. But, you know, I I really like uh, Chimaev. I'm not necessarily ready, like everybody else is, to call him the next Khabib. I think that's a little premature. That's a little premature. He is dominant. And he just bounces around these weight classes. I mean, he's just so big, right, that, like, he has to. Right? Is he? Like, he's tall as shit, man. Yeah, he's tall, but I don't know. I, he doesn't look like – the guy he fought at middleweight probably wasn't also that big either, but, like, he looked – when he fought at welterweight, he looked like a welterweight. He didn't look like a middleweight. That's he true. That's true. 
But you know, he he was like, "Yo, I'll fight anybody, anywhere, anybody, anytime, anywhere. any place, <laughs> whatever y'all want." He said he could make one. He said he could make one fifty-five too. So uh, oh, I, don't, I, I don't believe it. <laughs> I would have to see that. Do you believe the hype about Hamza? I think Hamza is is exactly who we think he is. I think, of course, like you're gonna run to somebody in the UFC who's gonna make you pay eventually, unless your name's Khabib. Um, but I think Hamza is someone who is going to be very dominant, especially at uh, 170, right? If he, if he can keep making that cut to 170, which it looks like you said he can, and I, I agree, then he can seriously make, I think, within a year, a title run. You know, at this pace where he's fighting like three, four times, like three more fights, and all of a sudden you're fighting, you know, the top five guys in the UFC. That's how it goes. Yeah, you know, and the reason why I'm so confident about him being able to make 170 is because he made 185 and 170 in the span of 10 days. Agreed. So, you know, he and who knows if, like, you never really know with these guys. Like, he might have, he might walk around at, like, 190. So, like, he might not have to cut that much weight to get to 185. 170, that's, that's true, that's true. Um, but, you know, it's interesting um, – the guys over at um I don't know what the name of the gym is, but um he trains in Sweden with uh Gustafson. Yes, I don't know what and, the name is. The whole gym, gym is like this is the best guy we've ever seen. And Gustafson is one of the best UFC uh light heavyweights of all time. So that's something right. that's saying something. Yeah, so you know, but I'm excited. I want I I like watching him fight. Um, Johnny Walker's on the card too. Yeah, I was gonna say the next fight we should talk about is Johnny Walker versus Ryan Spann. Speaking of light heavyweights, we'll see if Walker is like back to normal after like his stupidness. Yeah, you know he's with he's at TriStar now. Well, he's, oh. he's been at TriStar. He was at TriStar for his last he's fight too. For his last fight, yeah. Yeah, and I think you know it's interesting. I've I've kind of like. During COVID times, I've kind of binged a lot of Faraza hobbies. It's like videos and everything. Oh, he's like AMAs and all the other stuff. He's AMAs, but also like he has like interviews and like little mini documentary stuff on YouTube. This, yeah, it seems like that would be a really bad fit for Johnny Walker. Too disciplined, too by the book. Not even well that too, but it's just like you know, it's not the guys there aren't like big ego guys like the whole air of his gym when i was watching the the documentary is very much like we are 18 yeah tristar is humble people yeah i mean that's like, that's, that's, that's why they're so good yeah they have the argument they have gsp they have the goat time, but like even him was like yeah we come into the gym and it's like i'm just like that white belt over there like mm-hmm. and i feel like johnny walker is a very loud and boisterous kind of personality and i feel like it's, it'll be weird to see him in that sort of environment where, you know, it's very respectful and disciplined. But oh, he no, seems right. so stuck there. So. Yeah, I'm to say, if yeah. he, if, with good coaching, you can go everywhere. Yeah. Well, we'll see if he's, like, going to be a factor again now that light heavyweight's in play, which we talked about a lot about last episode. If he, you know, puts together a run, he can get back to a title shot really fast. Yeah, that division's wide open. Yeah. Even like leave. with John Jones, even even like Loki with Corey Anderson, even like it's really wide open. There's no real number one guy. I mean, there's a number one guy, obviously Dominic but, Reyes, but like I think any given day, one through ten, I think most of those guys could 
I think Tiago Santos could beat Reyes. I think Reyes could beat Tiago Santos. I, like it's it's all it's all up in the air. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, I think that's all I have to talk about today. I think we've yeah we've uh, hit all the major. I think stuff. the one thing there's one thing I kind of wanted to touch on. Um, What's up? Jamel Herring fought like two weeks ago. Oh yeah, yeah. yeah. And he um, he fought like a dirty fighter, and he admittedly from himself and like me as a fan, like it wasn't like the best. Jamel Herring performance, but he had gotten headbutted for like the fifth time or something like that, and he had blurred vision from it. And they stopped the fight. The guy was disqualified, but he he had the opportunity to keep fighting, and he didn't. And there was a lot of backlash online about it, and, you know, he was very open and honest about things, like people were calling him a quitter, and, like, he was saying, like, his wife was talking about, like, I can't deal with all of this shit anymore, like, so he wants to fight Carl Frampton next. And then that he's saying that's going to be his last fight. And, you know, like to me, it just, and like, even then when he said that, like I see, I saw guys talking about like, no, nah, champ, we want to see you fight like Jojo Diaz and um, Miguel Burchard. I'm like, this guy posted a picture of his wife in a text thread talking about, yo, I want you to retire. And you're talking to him about fights and like people are calling him a quitter. I'm like, this man did those two tours in never, Iraq. Those people have never fought before or done anything tough, right? Like, the thing is, like, even headbutt, getting headbutt and sparring sucks with headgear on, mind you. Right. Even, like, when you're, like, sparring in a kickboxing match or in a Muay Thai clinch, when you're close and it's not, like, a, even a regular boxing match, you get hit with headgear on with a headbutt, and you're just like, I don't want to do this right now. And, yeah, when you're seeing double – could you imagine being stupid enough to be like, yeah, I'm seeing double. I should keep going into a boxing boxing yeah. fight. And he got lucky. It was actually an old eye injury. It was a, a mm-hmm. fracture in his eye socket that was old that he never really got checked out. So he was like, but it's like, for me, it really hits home because one of my favorite fighters of all time is Gerald McKellen, G-Man mm, from the 90s. G-Man. Incredible, incredible fighter. Um, he fought... Um, the Dark Destroyer, I can't remember his name. But um, it was a really rough and tough fight. And, you know, he had gotten hit. Uh, Nigel Bennett was his name, the Dark Destroyer. He had gotten hit and he was, like, blinking really crazily and, like, trying to, like, get his vision back. But he wouldn't quit. And he kept fighting and he got knocked out. And, you know, he ended up having, like, severe brain trauma. Like, he, he's alive now, but he's in a wheelchair. He, he's most, I think he's, like, mostly blind and deaf. Like, it's not worth you know, it. He, yeah, he, and it's like all the fighters quitters for not wanting to get illegal shots in. It's like this profession in itself is dangerous enough. And it's like and the thing that gets me was like Tim Bradley called him a quitter. Isn't and I'm Tim like, Bradley yo, like, you are a fighter, bro. Yeah. <laughs> like And like just because you went out against Rosalind Porotnikov and tried to kill yourself because people said that you robbed Manny Pacquiao and you had a point to prove doesn't mean that everybody else has to carry themselves like that. And, like, anybody that's calling a Marine who served two tours in Iraq, especially a, a black male Marine, a quitter, like, yo, you're full of shit. Yeah, and it's just people who have never – they have no understanding of what it means to get hit in the face, let alone, like, being a full-on fight. Yeah, man, it was, it, was, it was just fucked up. I just wanted to speak on that because, like – Jamel's one of my favorite fighters, but it's also, like, people don't understand, especially fans, like, we're fans. Like, 
I would never like I have my commentary about how my opinions on fighters, but like I would never question like the integrity of a fighter because like I understand what they go through. Also, um, like in it's such a weird thing to question. This is a sport, mm-hmm. you know. Like when someone breaks the rules and like for that situation, when someone breaks the rules and does an illegal blow and the fight has to come to an end, you don't be like, nah, nah, it's okay. You cheated. That's not how that works. Like that's not how it would work in any profession. (laughs) You know, that's not how like the system should work. The system should stop the fight then because it is dangerous and because it does invalidate it. It doesn't make any sense to keep on fighting in that situation. That's not a quitter. That's not integrity. That's just, the rules of the sport that you're playing. We're watching this NBA game right now. If like you foul out, you foul out. You can't go back in the game. Right. <laughs> this don't make no sense. If Jimmy Butler were to foul out right now with 23 seconds left, it doesn't matter if there's 23 seconds left. They can't let him keep playing. Mm-hmm. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> but yeah, that's all. That's all I have. I just really wanted to speak on that because that was something that really bothered me. Because again, you know. He's a fighter. Anybody that signs up to take blows to the head and to the body for a living, you have to give them a little bit more leeway than your average person, especially like someone like him who's you know, who's been in war. Yeah, no, Voluntar- for sure. Voluntarily. Yeah, in war. It's crazy. But all right, I think that's all we got for today, guys. Um, I don't want to make these episodes too, too long. I'm sure we've gotten like, what, an hour at least? Yeah. So... Uh, yeah, tell us what we missed. Feel free to leave feedback in the comments and always tweet at us and talk to us on our social media pages. Uh, bother Dave to tweet more from uh, the Fight Podcast page. It would be great. Yeah, you know, <laughs> we, you can listen to us on Spotify, YouTube, Apple Podcasts. Now. <laughs> Apparently, you've always been able to. Yeah, they actually just sent me the confirmation on Anchor. Oh, awesome. Yeah, so. All right, y'all. Peace and love. See y'all.